Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Michael Dominguez, who is the author of Armchair Real Estate Millionaire. If you're sitting there anyway, you might as well build your wealth. That's the tagline. He is also a realtor and investor. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to having this chat. Of course, me too, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm. I'm raring to go. Let's have a let's let's talk. Let's talk wealth. Let's do it. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself, what you'd like to do for fun, that'd be great. Yeah, I've I've been um, I'm now in my late 50s. I've been uh, a realtor and investor for uh, my second life. I started around 42, 43. I I reached a point in my life where um, I really wasn't moving forward. I, I was doing the nine to five, doing what everyone told you you're supposed to do. I get promoted a couple of times, wasn't getting ahead. And so I decided to become self-employed, became a real estate agent, and quickly started focusing on working with investors, went and started buying properties myself. And I realized the um, the incredible opportunities that came as a result of that. And I, I made a quest and I, and I accomplished. I wrote a, I, I bought a property a year for 10 straight years. And over the course of a decade, I was able to essentially change my life and start to, to, um, to build that financial independence. And so the last couple of years, I've now reached that financial freedom goal. I'm no longer as active as a realtor, no longer as active on a day-to-day basis as an investor. And I'm just trying to live my best life. Uh, I shared with you beforehand, last year I drove across the country uh, from Chicago to uh, Santa Santa Monica and did uh, a Route 66 drive in my Corvette convertible. I've now been to every Major League Baseball stadium. And so my goal is to have as many once-in-a-lifetime experiences as I can have. There we go. There we go. I love it. Why don't you tell us which markets you invested in and what properties you focused on to kind of get that one property a year that cash flows for you? Yeah, um, I I live in the Toronto, Canada area. Uh, this this model can work pretty much anywhere where there's the potential of adding secondary suites, and that's really what my focus was. Is I quickly learned and I realized. Tim, that you you're focused more on buying the bigger buildings, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that just wasn't my goal. I found that the tenant profile and the amount of labor I was doing on some of my multi units were just simply more than I wanted to take on. So I started focusing on single family homes, and then was able to, able to add secondary suites into those units, and in some cases tertiary suites as well. And and that's really the name of the game. It just kept getting these um, single family homes with secondary suites just outside of the Toronto area and the suburbs. Honestly, the growth that we had in the Toronto area is pretty much unprecedented in North America. We saw some incredible growth and that led to uh, some property value increases. Honestly, the only comparable market I can give you is Austin, Texas, actually, that had similar type of growth. And so imagine being in the suburbs of Austin, Texas, owning a bunch of homes there as they've gone up in value with each of them having secondary suites and cash flowing. That's kind of what my portfolio is looking like now. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That would be um, 
fantastic to own that many properties in the Austin area. Just a quick question for you. Adding secondary and sometimes tertiary suites, are you just buying a really big house and then splitting it up? What's the process behind that? Absolutely. Um, now, it depends on where you are in North America. If you live in the Midwest, uh, Southwest, or the actual West, uh, there's a good chance that your properties don't have basements or uh, don't have quite at the same ability to to add secondary suites. Uh, like in California, for example, there just isn't any basements there. But if you're in the Chicago area, which I guess is Midwest, um, most of their 1,000 square foot bungalows have 1,000 square foot basements. And in most cases, they're underutilized um, apartments or underutilized homes. So instead of renting out the whole house to one person, we were able to divide it literally at level and get a separate entrance into the right directly into the basement. And uh, and that's how we moved forward. We just simply started getting an upstairs tenant, a downstairs tenant, and got that one cash flow positive, uh, for some appreciation. In many cases, refinanced those properties and then did it again and then did it again and did it again. And that's pretty much how it grew from there. There we go. The good old Burr method. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I'm a huge, I've been a fan of Burr since before they called it Burr. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. Well, let's jump into your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Um, you know, I've, I've given that a lot of thought and over the years. And and honestly, um, I was driven by a fear of failure. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's just the way I, I lived my early life. And like, I had no business graduating from university. I, I, I was a steady CDF student and barely scraped by, but I was just afraid to fail. And, uh, and I started getting the jobs, the promotions. I met the girl, get married, doing everything you're supposed to do. And again, I was really not getting ahead. But when I finally got into real estate, um, I still, I used my fear of failure to drive me. And, and I was singularly focused on, on on using 10 15 years of time to to set myself up uh and using the dave ramsey quote if you live like no one else then one day you'll be able to live like no one else and that's kind of what i did i i was really focused on building my my net worth and my cash flow and then and then honestly i reached a point where i said holy crap i'm i've reached my goals so it was like winning a race in a marathon and then forgetting that there was a finish line it took you a while to actually stop running but that's really where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think a lot of people initially are driven by that fear of failure. And then as they get to the point where it's like, my success is kind of safe. <laughs> They'll turn around and start to do some more impact focused stuff like the book. So tell us about that. Yeah. And, you know, I certainly have zero intention of making wealth as a result of this book. It's not a, it's not a, it's certainly not a, a uh, passive income source like like so many other things I've got in my life. I shouldn't say that. I, every time every anyone buys a book, either um, an ebook, uh, an audio book, or or the actual physical book, I make a whopping six to eight dollars. So it's it's not like I don't make anything, but but really the purpose of the book was I had some incredible incredible mentors in my early days, more than I probably had any right to have. And I had some people that had already reached the the rungs of success that I was hoping to achieve. And so they took me under their wing way more than I thought I deserved to have. And I always had this fear when I was younger that the wealthy people were this exclusive club and they would sort of kick you back down if you were trying to move up. 
And I found that to be exactly the opposite. I had some very successful people giving me some sound, sound advice. And I always promised them and promised myself that I reached a level of financial freedom that I would pass that on to the next generation. And that's really what the genesis of this book was all about. I gotcha. Yeah, it is a really refreshing thing when you start getting into the success world, studying success literature, whatever it may be, and you start networking with people and they turn around and they actually want to help you more than like your peers, you know? And they have more wisdom to give you than your peers because birds of a feather flock together. So if you're broke, your peers are probably broke. <laughs> um, but yeah. I just think that's an amazing thing. So tell us about the contents of the book. Is it really just outlining your strategy? Does it go through mindset stuff? Does it go through uh, leveraging debt? Tell us about it. All the above. And um, I wrote the book not necessarily for the person to buy their 10th or 50th or 100th property. Although, you know, I'm sure that through your podcasts or other podcasts that some of these listeners might be might be listening to on a semi-regular basis, they, they hear these success stories and, you know, applaud the people that now have a thousand units and stuff like that. And it's, it's a cool success story, but it's not very repeatable very often. Very few people reach that level of success or even want to hit that level of um, owning real estate because it really does take up a lot of your time when you're owning multi-unit buildings. So um, I wrote the book so that someone could buy their first, second, and third investment properties. And I I quickly found, and I'll use, I'll use go back to that Austin, Texas example. Um, if you've got this, um, I'm going to give you an avatar of a person who's listening to this podcast. Maybe they own their own home somewhere in, let's let, let's use Austin area as an example. They've got a little bit of equity in their property. Um, and if they're being honest with themselves, I bet you that their net worth, if they added up all of their net worth, 50 to 75% of their net worth came from the home that they purchased. So if we're focusing on that type of person and they say, you know what, here I'm trying to save in my 401k or RRSP in Canada, and they're really not getting ahead. Yet, meanwhile, half to two thirds of my wealth came from real estate. Maybe I should do more of that stuff. But how do I get started? And that's really what I wrote the book for is how to get started in buying quality properties in quality neighborhoods, attracting quality tenants, and then long-term making quality profits. And so I go through a step-by-step -step and I uh, explain how, um, how to determine what the right type of market is to write, find the right type of property that your tenants that you want to attract are looking for. And, and then going into how to, how to leverage your money as best as possible. And um, I even have a, an entire chapter talking about uh, millennials and uh, I guess Gen, Gen Zs by definition and, and how they can perhaps move forward and, and move ahead and start to build wealth and using real estate to do so. There we go. I love it. Sounds like the book covers all the bases. I tried. Um, it, it, I, I purposely stayed away from if somebody's looking to buy that 80 unit apartment building, this isn't the book necessarily for you. If you're looking to attract, you know, all sorts of um, joint venture money and, and, looking for millions of dollars that's not this is this is to buy that first single family home that can rent out can see some a little bit of cash flow get moving towards your net worth goals obviously i'm a big believer in properties that have the ability of adding secondary suites and yeah i mentioned the basements but there's also um people build lofts above garages they could build a loft above your current single family home you can build an extension at the back end of your home and have uh, that um, there's tiny houses you can put in your backyard. There's 
there's there's a bunch of different choices to get that secondary suite. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a home with a basement. And we sort of talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like here in Austin, they have accessory dwelling units, which is basically a tiny home. It's a little bit bigger than a tiny home, but in your backyard. They do. And I, I've done research on that. And that would be a perfect example. And many of them are like one bedroom apartments and stuff like that. And but again, if the single family home plus the one bedroom apartment, if you add it up together and like not only is it very predictable because you likely have some really good quality tenants and you know that rent's coming in. But if the rent exceeds your mortgage, your taxes, your insurance and your incidental costs, then guess what? You've got a cash flow property, cash flow generating property with um with mortgage pay down happening at the same time uh you can hold on to that property for 10 years and it's going to make a significant impact on your net worth mm. yep yes it will i think the best part about real estate is uh the fact that it's a game where you buy and you wait and you get wealthy it's like there's not much that has to be done especially if you set it up with good tenants set it up with property management if you don't even want to be the property management that will cut into your cash flow but you know, just run the numbers. Um, I just, I love it. I love the game. You're, you're bang on. And so, and this is where you have to, or not just you, but the listeners need to make a life decision. The multi-units are very exciting. And, and uh, there's nothing better than taking a picture of the building that you recently purchased and posting it on social media and say, Hey, I bought that. And it's, you know, and people go, wow, that's unbelievable. But I could tell you that um, historically, the tenant profile on these big, huge units, it's a lot more work. The the uh, the credit score on some of these tenants is usually a lot less. The income sources on these tenants are typically a lot worse. I would rather own a really good quality property and know darn well on the first of the month I'm going to get paid. Like even during the pandemic, myself and virtually all of my clients who bought similar type of properties to what I had, at first, we were sort of measuring to see how many tenants weren't paying rents because that was the big controversy that was going on at the beginning of COVID. We had none. Like everybody was still working. Everybody was still paying their rents. It was just, it was business as normal. And I could tell you a lot of people that own those multi-units had a very different experience. So I, I weathered that storm. And if anything, my property values have surged. My cash flow has surged. Um, other than the fact that I had to live burrowed in a, in a single family home, I and didn't travel as much as I'd like. Honestly, the pandemic was pretty uneventful for me. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. And it sounds like you've accomplished a good chunk of them. But tell us about your vision for your life and moving forward. Yeah. Like I, I'm hitting a new chapter in my life, which again, I'm sure a lot of um, listeners may be in a very different place to where I am, but maybe this is their aspiration as well. Uh, my goal was to have a level of financial freedom by the time I was 55. I had that goal pretty much for 20 some odd years. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers the TV commercials. Uh, there was a commercial years ago was Freedom 55. And I really was, that was my quest. It was to be financially free by the time I was 55. And, uh, you know, again, it's one thing to set goals like that. But it's another thing to go through the day-to-day -day effort to sort of accomplish that and to buy, start buying assets that were actually appreciating in value versus versus buying liabilities that were going down in value. I, I absolutely recommend anybody read a book like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad to start understanding the concepts of, of what an asset is. So really what I'm looking to try to do now is, yeah, like I, I am living a lot of my best life. I, I, I have a list of... Um, 
of bucket list goals that I want to accomplish. And, uh, and a lot of them are travel related. Uh, um, my goals are to pass on as much of the knowledge as I can to future generations, which or you know, and when I say generation, I'm not talking thousands of years or even hundreds of years, but even over the next 10, 20 years, if I can impact as many young investors as possible and teach them some strategies to move forward. And again, something a success story doesn't have to be someone who owns a hundred properties. You can own as little as two or three properties and and you set yourself up for retirement in a way that few others can do. I talk about this one uh, couple that have a young child. And, you know, at first they were freaking out over the fact that they had all these university bills in 17 years. And how are they going to afford this? How are they going to afford that? And then they just realized, oh, I can just refinance one of the properties I own and I can basically pay for my child's education. Yes, you can. And so it just teaching people to live a more financially free life is really what I'd like to accomplish. And uh, and at the same time, finding ways to enhance my cash flow on a regular basis. I'm finding that to be a real fun quest. I love it. And what are some ways you're looking at to enhance cash flow? <laughs> um, well, I'm doing private mortgages uh, and I have, um, I took, um, again, in Canada, it's called an RSP. In the States, it's called a 401k. And you could self-direct it. And I think a Roth 401k is what they call it in the States. Uh, well, anyway, I, I was able to self-direct. And so I took my money out of uh, equities, which was honestly a bit of a lottery. Like, you know, here I could buy Apple stock and I can go up $30,000, $40,000 in a day. But then they can also lose 40000 in a day. And I didn't like that level of volatility. So I do private lending. I... Um, I also, obviously, my real estate, I'm getting ongoing cash flow from that. Uh, my my primary business, Doors to Wealth, which is my real estate team, um, I've now sold most of that business and I'm getting residuals from there. And actually, just this morning, I took a meeting with somebody uh, on potentially getting involved in owning a small percentage of a uh, of a gym. And I'm looking at getting into venture capitalism for the first time. So, so maybe you're talking to a future future Kevin O'Leary from the Dragons Den. Who the hell knows? I don't know. So, <laughs> so, so I was, I was going to ask if you had thought about buying businesses. Yeah, it's uh, this is a. Uh, it's actually my personal trainer who's uh, forming the gym, and so I'm going to be the fine. I'm going to be a financial assistant as well. If assuming that the deal goes through. Uh, the financial assistance, as well as a uh, a mentor for some of these guys as they're growing their business, and because again, a lot of these people that are starting businesses out, they don't they don't know what they don't know, and uh, and if I can give them a little bit of guidance along the way, just in our hour and a half breakfast meeting, I gave them probably about a page and a half of tips, and and that's and that's kind of cool. I like the idea of being able to help out others and and get them reaching their goals. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that lines perfectly up with passing knowledge on to future generations. It does. If it can make it be more cash flow, then that wins again. So there we go. There we go. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards these dreams and goals, who would they be? And how would they help you? To reach my goals, oh, I I love it when you give me these tough questions, but then I have to think about them. Now, um, <laughs> I'm a huge follower. These are more recent pe like people that are still alive today. There are there are a number of uh, people that I follow as as mentors that um, that are that are no longer with us. So 
if, if we're going to take people that have recently died, when I say recently, I'm talking about the last 50 years, uh, there's a philosopher by the name of Jim Rohn. And uh, and I so much respect the if if you've never listened to Jim Rohn speak, uh, stop listening to podcasts. Sorry, stop listening to podcasts and listen to a Jim Rohn book. Uh, he is so much. He is so good. And and it's so motivational, inspirational. Uh, so that's somebody who I would like to 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 meet for sure. And he would certainly help me get in the right path, I would think. Zig Ziglar is another gentleman who uh, who has a lot of really good, uh, good things to say uh, of people who are alive today. Um, I've actually been to Omaha, Nebraska and uh, attended a uh, Berkshire Hathaway event. But uh, to be actually um, having a one on one conversation with Warren Buffett and um, that would be that would be an incredible experience as well, because he is such a philosophical genius that he sees things that others just haven't seen. He's got the big picture approach that that I'll never have. And uh, and that's somebody I really respect the heck out of as well. So, yeah, I was for a couple of names. I love it. I love all three of those guys. So <laughs> there we go. And if uh, what's the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you accomplish your dreams and goals? So you meet Sally at the grocery store. Yeah. And Sally's like, Michael, how can I help you out? What would you tell her? How can you help me out? Oh, versus how can how can I help her out? Or, or what, what are the tips for Sally? Okay. Um, well, honestly, it, it, this sounds really cocky, but I don't know if there's necessarily much that Sally could do at this point. Years ago, there were a lot of things that she could have done. Uh, but on, uh, <laughs> I've reached that financial goal number now, and and I don't necessarily need her to reach her goals. I guess in in hindsight, if if she was being honest with herself, and like honestly, I I'd love to be able to sit down and have a chat with Sally. I, I want her to to buy my book and and understand the concepts of the book. But yeah, I would love to have a conversation with her and uh, and uh, and and help help her out. And by definition or by by extension, um, that's one of my goals is to help out as many people as possible. Um, a lot of Sally's out there that were like there was. I got to the point. Let's let's go back to the Austin, Texas example. Austin is a beautiful city. It's a big city, but I would not be an investor in the the uh, Austin proper. I that's not where I'd be investing. I'd be invest, investing in some of the suburbs, and maybe within the suburbs, I might even find one or two pockets where it's got the right tenant profile potential. It's got the right um, amount of employment. Um, it's it's a growing employment area. This little suburb, it's got lots of shopping. It's it's just a nice community, good parks. And you say, boy, would I like to own three or five properties in that area? Because that's where I want to invest. And so I had a few Sally's out there that were, you know, going, walking their dog on a regular basis. And all of a sudden they'd see things like um, um, all of a sudden one property is having a major cleanup. They've got their uh, dump in ready to go and 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 they're throwing all kinds of crap out well sally would sometimes give me a lead and tell me about a property that was uh going through a major renovation i actually would sometimes knock on the door not necessarily as a realtor but as an investor and sometimes grandma and grandpa they've recently passed away the family's now cleaning up and if i can offer them 
at or near market value and say, you know what, I'll take the rest of this crap out. You don't have to throw this out. I'll just buy it from you as is. And then I'll do the renovation. It's a win-win for myself and the family. So, so I've had some Sally's in the past that have given me some incredible leads. I've paid her a nice fee for finding that property for me. If I can close on a deal and it's got me a lot closer to my financial goals. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. And now we're going to jump thank into you, our- Sally. Yeah, thank you, Sally. <laughs> now we're going to jump into our thriving three. First question is, what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Yeah, well, the book I'm going to, I sort of alluded to it already, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the single book that that really impacted my life. I, It's not like it was, um, there wasn't, it didn't, maybe nothing too revolutionary, but just putting it in perspective that I could really understand. He wasn't, uh, Robert Kiyosaki is not an author that that is a, you know, and he's often admitted this, that he's not an author. He's just he's just a business guy that wrote a book, like me. And so if you critique me and say, oh, that wasn't really well written, you know, that's not my specialty, although I think it was pretty well written. But um, it is an impactful book, and that has just understanding the concept of what an asset is and what a liability that was the most impactful book that's that started getting me on my journey. Absolutely. It's a foundational book for a lot of entrepreneurs, specifically real estate investors. Yeah. What is one way you like to take care of yourself? Um, Oh, self-medication. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm going to go with, um, that's actually a real challenge that I've been faced with is especially during COVID. I was really in pretty good physical health at that time. And uh, I think we all sort of gained COVID-20, COVID-25 pounds. And so I've been really trying to focus on, actually, I had my my personal trainer coming to my house now on a regular basis. I, um, I, I, I believe that I'm at a point in my life where I want to have as much, I'm going to use the term insurance as possible. So I'm going and having physicals done on an annual basis because We've seen so many really successful, wealthy people all of a sudden end up with stage four cancers and die. And I, I what happened to stages one, two, and three? Uh, I'd like to know what's going on with my body and 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 honestly, so I could live my best life. And and in my mindset, I've reached a level of financial freedom. I want to extend my years of active years as long as possible. Uh, I, I'm treating it as if I've got five years of active living left. And I'd like those five years to extend as long as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to be saying, "Oh, one day in twenty-five years, I'm going to go on a trip to to Budapest." No, no. I want to make that happen sooner rather than later. I just want to live my best life, and and I need to be physically fit and physically healthy in order to be able to do that. I love it. I love it. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it too? Get that one-on-one conversation with Warren Buffett. Uh, well, I guess I can continue buying Berkshire Hathaway stocks. That would be one thing I can do um, if all of a sudden I become a primary shareholder. But no, in a more logical way, you know, it's funny. I that that has been my goal for a long time is to have a conversation with him. And and you know, honestly, it's no longer as much of a goal as it used to be. It's um, um, I've read so much of his material and and listened to so many of his of his speeches that I feel like I've already had conversation with him in the past. Like I just, you know, he, he could be a mentor of yours without ever having met him. It's just, you know, you just read all of his stuff. And the same is true with Jim Rohn. 
So do I need to necessarily meet him? No, I don't. Um, if I had the opportunity, I would love to do it. And what would I be having to do? I don't know. Honestly, um, buy one of buy one of his lunches and make another couple hundred thousand so I can buy a lunch. I guess that would be one of the only ways I'd be able to meet him. But I, it's just, it's not a great use of my dollars. If I were to raise a couple hundred thousand, I'd rather buy a bungalow than have a conversation with him. So I guess in... In hindsight, I don't I don't need to accomplish that goal. I've got a lot of other goals I want to accomplish. Gotcha. There we go. Now we're going to jump into our final series final of questions. Series. Okay. And I didn't send these beforehand. So No, you didn't. If you don't want to um answer them, that's totally fine. Oh, I you can say anything to me. If I don't have an answer, I might just stumble a little bit, but go for it. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life? limiting belief um continues to pop up let me think about that so i i would say that um you know what i i've always had a an imposter mentality in my life and that i really don't deserve to have what i've got right now i um i i became a successful realtor but if they only knew that I didn't know what I was talking about, that, you know, that they would call me out and find me on, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a fraud. I'm a, I'm a fake. And, uh, and, and then sometimes you have to sort of get beyond that and realize that you, you have what it takes. And if, whether that's seeking out joint venture money uh, or, or trying to grow your, your business, uh, you have a sense of knowledge and uh, success that uh, that few people have and and it took me years to realize like that you know I, i'm a realtor and i could see things when i go into a property and ways of enhancing the profitability of that property and i can do it often within minutes and i i kind of assumed that everyone else had that same knowledge and so i again i was an imposter but as i as i grew in my success and grew in my confidence i realized that no i had some unique skill sets and and people wanted to connect with me and wanted to partner with me and and move forward so uh it it has been a limiting belief that i'm an imposter but you have to fight through it and honestly some of the most expensive or most the heaviest equipment you ever have is often your cell phone you don't want to pick that sucker up because saying oh i don't want to call this person i don't want to reach out to this person because they're going to think i'm an idiot they're going to think i'm this and that but once you actually call them and talk to them they're going to want to hear from you because they're looking, they have the same goals that you likely have. They're trying to build financial freedom themselves. And if you can find ways of helping them out, then you'll be able to get everything you want as well. Hmm. I think Zig Ziglar said that. You can have everything. Oh, I know. You, you know damn well I'm using some of his quotes. <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not even getting him credit for that. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, awesome. So we talked about a little bit about the imposter mentality. A lot of people have it. Where do you think it comes from for you? Jeez. Um, now we're diving into uh, psychological backgrounds and stuff like that. Honestly, um, which you don't have be... to answer. We can move on if that's. No, no, no. It, it's it, honestly a lot of this stuff happens from you know when you're a kid and you know you're you know a little overweight and you have pimples and you don't you're afraid to reach out to girls and you get people you get told that you're not good enough and and so you hear this when you're a kid and. And whether it's teachers or parents, like I was, 
I was that steady CD student of people, you know, teachers were always telling me that, you know, you know, maybe you should get into a trade or something like that, because I don't think you have what it takes. And maybe they didn't say it quite like that. They thought they were being helpful, maybe. But honestly, you get all this negative influence in your life. It's just it's in, it's inevitable. And, you know, I can't speak for what your background is. I, I grew up in a suburban neighborhood that was middle class. And, um, you know, and I know people that have come from from really crappy backgrounds and, and had incredible success. But you have to be able to look beyond, you know, not listen to the noise and move forward. And because because, you know, that you're in a in a better place and and don't let those distractors uh, or detractors start to distract you and, and get you off of your goals. Because because, again, at the end of the day, you could be living an incredible life like I'm I we have a we have a high school reunion coming up. Uh, it actually got postponed because of COVID, and it's coming back up next year. I am so looking forward to meeting all these these losers. <laughs> I was <laughs> 17 years of age, and you know now they're probably on their third divorce and in their 27th job, and and uh, and I'll show up in my Corvette convertible, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that, but honestly, that's that's where it sort of arrived for me. I can't speak for everyone else, so. For sure. Last question about limiting beliefs. What actions do you think you still have that reinforce that belief? And what emotions do you think you still have that reinforce it? Well, I, I really do my best to um, um, to look beyond that. Like even, even as recently as today, uh, when I was having that conversation about the gym, uh, my first gut feeling was, you know, why do you want to partner with me? Because I don't, I've never run a gym. I'm overweight, um, and uh, and and so like I've run businesses, but I've never run a gym. Like, why would they put a partner with me? And then and then I said, you know, let's get th- let's get beyond that. Like, you know, I, you know, I've, I'm 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 successful, damn it. So you have to just sort of push through it. And 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 one thing I do, and I don't have it here with me, unfortunately, but. Uh, I, I write my, not only do I write my goals down on a regular basis and I've got them actually on my phone and I look them on th- at them on a regular basis because sometimes that's really important is to sort of reinforce what your goals are. And I also put down on a daily and weekly basis what my objectives are because sometimes so many times on a day-to-day basis, um, you can get so distracted and all of a sudden you're watching, um, uh, what was it you said on your uh, podcast? You're watching uh, on Netflix, you're watching... Uh, what was the show with Meghan Markle or whatever uh, you were watching? Suits, yeah, yeah. You you know you start getting into uh, season two, three, four, twenty-seven of Suits, and you're thinking, what the hell am I doing here? And and so by writing down your goals, you know, before you go to bed, you write your goals out for the next day, the next week. And and I'm a physical write it down. I used to put it on my phone, and I wasn't. It's so easy to dismiss it when it's on your phone, but if you're physically writing it out every day, that worked for me. I'm maybe I'm a little older. And, and I would cross it out when I accomplished it. If I didn't do it, I'd rewrite it the next day and rewrite it the day after that until I finally said, oh, shit, I just don't want to rewrite it again. Let me just do it. And, uh, and before you know it, you've accomplished a lot of the goals and, uh, and you know, you know, break them down step by step and you can really do a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, awesome. Now, of course, we can't only ask about limiting beliefs. We have to ask about the abundant version of that belief. So what things do you tell yourself? You've kind of alluded to it already. Like you write down your goals on a daily and weekly basis. But what is what are the things that you say to yourself in your head or out loud when those limiting beliefs hit and you want to reorient yourself? 
Yeah, like um, I had a goal of financial freedom. And um, and when I hit that goal, I needed to convince myself over and over. And I still to this day have to convince myself on a regular basis that I'm doing okay. And so how I do that, and you know, this is something I recommend for anyone anyway, is doing a net worth analysis of where you're at right now, a, a timestamp of where you're at today. And again, no, no one else is going to look at this. You, you, know, you might be embarrassed, but putting down every asset you own, every liability you've got, your credit card balance as of today, um, what's in your bank account today, um, you know, and, 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 and when you create that net worth, whether it's a dollar, a hundred thousand, negative a hundred thousand, it doesn't matter. It could be a million dollars. Um, the goal is to do the list today and then do it again in six months or three months or a year. And as long as that number is progressing in the right direction, then you're moving forward. You're, you're making some real difference. And, and so, um, by me writing down my net worth and and then the second goal I was doing was how much ongoing cash flow am I getting? Because those were my two goals was net worth and cash flow. And um, and when I started to hit those each of those financial numbers and I made it, I felt really good about that. But being able to convince yourself and your spouse that you've reached those financial goals when meanwhile, the last 50 some odd years of our life, we were trying to amass wealth. Now it's just a matter of finding um, ways of just maintaining your wealth and living your best life. So how I have to get around that is instead of seeking out that next deal, seeking out that next lead that can lead to another, another sale of a property. Now I'm just simply reminding myself I've hit my goals. I've hit my numbers. And so anything I do beyond that is a bonus. And honestly, that's, it's a, it's a harder thing to do than you might think. Like you think, well, what do you care about? You already reached it, but you just need to, if you've been a driven person for so many years to all of a sudden slow down is really tough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I feel that. Well, awesome. We got one last question for you. So there's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Leica, who was a guest on the show okay. that you can make it drink. You just have to salt its oats. Okay. Now, I want you to think of a person who has a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help and they're not willing to accept change. How can we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life? Wowzers. Um, I, um, there's a number of people that, that are, that fit that profile. And the first thing that I want to state is, which is again, it's different than what your question was. But um, I say this myself a lot, is I can't want your success more than you want it for yourself. And so, you know, there's a lot of horses out there. And if there are some horses that you lead to water and then they don't drink, there's a lot more horses out there in the in the pasture. Let's continue with that analogy and find another horse like, you know, it's whether that's seeking out someone to be a joint, you, you can show them the best possible scenario that will change their life. And if they say no, then guess what? That was not a worth, that was not a worthless exercise for you. You've now put together this package. That next person's going to want it, or maybe the person after that. So, so look for more horses. But um, but if you've got someone in your life 
And, uh, and there are people in my life that um, friends and uh, my son, for example, where, you know, he's just not moving forward to the level that, that I think he should, that he's capable of doing. And all you can do is um, present him with the options. And if he wants to have a level of success or your friends want to have that level of success, um, you can show them everything they want. But if they are still afraid to take action, afraid to move forward, afraid to fail, by definition, they've already failed. And um, and you actually alluded to this at the very beginning. You were saying a lot of the circle that you're hanging around with or that many people are hanging around with are in the same financial position as you are. Uh, I'm not saying dump your friends. I'm saying expand your circle of people and uh, and start hanging around with people that you don't have to force to walk to to you don't have to salt their oats. You can simply show them what they have and they're going to be going off of those oats like crazy. So or going after that water like crazy. That's that's my belief anyway. Yeah, for sure. Or dump your friends if they're losers. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, I don't want to ever say dump your friends, but I can tell you I hang around with a lot of different people today that I never hung around with before, a different circle of people. But at the same time, I, I still like bringing my worlds together and introducing different people to different, you know, because because they're still important people in my life. I just don't necessarily talk finances with them and uh, they realize that i'm not a very different they're they're still working their nine to five job and and living a good life but i'm living a very different lifestyle than they are i'm i'm traveling the world and they're seeing what i'm doing on facebook and meanwhile you know in many cases they're having financial challenges so you know I'm, i haven't ended my friendships with them but it's just gone into a different direction yeah absolutely well there we go michael that's all we got for you yeah. And, and and so, you know, I'm going to leave off with one thing, if I could, is that I wrote the book not necessarily to, um, you know, to make any money or anything like that. But I really feel positive over the fact that it's um, it's a it's a well-written book in my mind. Uh, I hired an incredible voice actor who's actually on IMDb. He's got some success from that standpoint. And uh, and it's a well-written or it's a well-done audiobook so even if you're not if you're the podcast kind of person and you haven't picked up an actual written book in six years then the podcast or the 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 audiobook could be for you and i really think it'll have some impact so if if you can help me reach one of my goals and that's to get 100 reviews on amazon uh on my book i don't know why i picked that number it's a nice round number so if you like what you read by all means pick up the book on amazon it's uh it's right there and uh and tell me what you think there we go. Well, if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Michael had to say, make sure to go check out his book, review it, and then buy a copy for a friend. As we always ask, go ahead and shoot this podcast over to one to three people you know need to hear this message. All the ways to contact Michael will be down in the show notes. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.